This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. I'm going to talk to you this morning from our Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. It starts out with the interesting words, comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. What's unique about this is that he starts out with the word comfort, which is unusual because for the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, 90% of those were warnings and announcement of judgment. Most of us probably do not associate judgment with comfort. That's probably not, if you're going to take a word association test with your counselor or whatever, you would not associate judgment and then respond comfort. But this situation begs the question, what is the difference between being comfortable and giving comfort? Because those are two completely different situations. Now, comfortable. When we think about being comfortable, how many of us automatically think of food, comfort food? And for some people, comfort food is anything that's edible. But others, comfort food, you know, we associate it with nice warm pots of vegetable soup. Or if you're from the South, a big, hot, steaming bowl of chili or something like that. Or when we think about comfortable, we think of the nice house with a picket fence around it and a two-car garage. And then some of us, when we think of comfortable, we think of a nice, warm fireplace, seated in front of the fire with the person you love, leaning up against the couch and watching the sparks go up and down and being able to look into their eyes and see the reflection of the fire off their eyes we think about this stuff as being comfortable, right? It sounds pretty comfortable. Now, on the other hand, receiving comfort, and this is the challenge for us, because think about what we see in the Old Testament about giving comfort. Jacob saw the ladder, you know, and so he was encouraged to believe that God was going to be with him. But then there's Moses and the burning bush. So he's out in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere with his father-in-law's sheep, and he sees the fire in the burning bush, and this is supposed to bring comfort, but what does God tell him? Moses, I have a mission for you. And remember in Mission Impossible where at the end, well, he goes, good morning, Mr. Phelps, and at the end he says, your mission, should you decide to accept it, well, in this case, God said, Moses, your mission, and you don't have a choice about accepting it. You're going to go do this. You're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. Now, how many of us would think that's being given comfort? We're being told to go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And we knew that because of God told him this, the Pharaoh is not going to listen to you. So how comforting is that? And then there's Elijah. He's out in the middle of the wilderness. He gets 
what is it, the loaf of bread and some, a jar of water as the sustenance for the journey. But then he goes to the mountain and he hears the still small voice of God. And yes, that's going to bring comfort. But what does God tell him? Elijah, I have a mission for you. You're going to go anoint some guy as king. You're going to go find Elisha, and you're going to anoint him as your successor as prophet. Elijah says, okay, but do you think that was very comfortable for Elijah? You know, he's been running from Jezebel, and he's in this cave, and then God says, Elijah, go out and anoint this other guy as king. Knowing that the people who were around this other guy would try to kill him. This is not comforting, is it? Here is the difference. You see, what the single element that's the common ground in each one of these is in terms of getting comfort, knowing that whatever situation you are put in, that God is with you. And that's where we're supposed to get our comfort from, knowing that God is with us. No matter how difficult the situation may be, we are supposed to know and find comfort in the fact that God has promised to go with us and to be with us in that. The passage turns to John the Baptist in verse 3. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight in the desert, etc., etc. Now, you think of John the Baptist's situation. Was he comfortable? No. He was out in the middle of nowhere, baptizing people in the Jordan. But he was wearing this garment of camel hair. And most of us would not associate his diet with comfort food, unless you're comforted by eating bugs. How many of us in here are comfortable eating bugs? So John, his comfort in this case, was also knowing that he was doing the Lord's work, and he was doing what God told him to do. And again, his food was not comfort food, and his clothing was not particularly comfortable either. If you can imagine having to wear a garment that's made out of camel's hair. But John knew that he was in the Lord's will. And that's where the comfort comes from. You see, comfort comes from two Latin words, cum fortis, which means with strength. And for that, we need to know that we have the Lord's strength. And that's where the comfort comes from knowing that we are walking in the will of the Lord. If the church is to be relevant in our culture today, we need to be able to speak and tell others, yes, of the Lord's comfort, but also that other side of the double-edged sword, that life might not hand you very comfortable circumstances, but you can have your comfort because you know that God is with you. You don't have to yield to the cultural trends. You don't have to follow along with the crowd.
and do what they are doing because if you stand for truth, God will be with you. And that's what the church needs now is the willingness and the courage to speak that message of comfort to the people in our culture. Verses 7 and 8 give us the text of the message we are supposed to be bringing to the world. What does it say? The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, and here's the comforting part, but the word of our God stands forever. You see, the grass withering and the flower fading, those are illustrations for us of things in our life going south, down the tubes, if you will. But what's the comforting part in that couplet of verses? The word of the Lord stands forever. There is a place on which we can stand. We can stand firmly on the word of the Lord. Amen? And we can rely on God's word. We don't have to feel like we're being cast off into nothingness because when our food and our livelihood and all around us is crumbling, we have the word of the Lord in our lives and we have that word we can rely on. And his word is awesome. We look at that passage and we see verses 10 and 11 that God has gone and is still going to extraordinary lengths to reach out to his children and his people. Shall come with a strong hand. What does that mean? It means that God is going to come with his strength and his power and his arm shall rule for him. He's going to be in charge. His reward is with him and he will feed his flock like a shepherd. That's a promise that God is going to take care of us and meet our needs, and he's going to provide us with the food we need. And we look at this passage, verses 10 and 11, and we see that God is giving everything he has and all that he has and is for his people. He's giving everything. And there's a story that relates very clearly to this. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of Babette's Feast. What it is, is it's about a refugee from 1870s Paris, where there's another revolt going on. And she flees to Norway. And in Norway, there's this little town that is graced with a religious sect that is affiliated with the Lutheran Church. And so Babette goes there and she looks awful because she's been on the road for no telling how many days. And she goes to that house of the two sisters who were the daughters of the founder of this particular sect. She says, look, take me in. I'll, I'll do anything. But she ends up promising to work for them as their maid and their cook without pay. So she stays there for 14 years and it comes up in 1885. It's the 100th anniversary of the birth of their, these two ladies' father. And so Babette tells them, how about 
you let me prepare for you a feast of French cuisine. And in the meantime here, Babette finds out that she has won the lottery. And the lottery prize is, in those days, 10,000 francs. And that's quite a bit of money in those times. This is the late 1800s. The sisters reluctantly agree to let her prepare this feast. So she goes out and she buys all of the ingredients. She buys all of the things that she needs, the furnishings and everything. And it's going to be like a four or five course dinner. Now, what she's hoping in this is that by feasting together, the members of this religious sect that have broken up into fighting amongst themselves and having resentments with one another, she's hoping that they will drop all of that and reunite as friends. So during the course of this meal, this elaborate feast, the walls start coming down. She starts seeing the people eating and smiling and laughing and agreeing with one another and slapping one another on the back and giving hugs and things like that. So she sees that the walls have come down. In the process, the sisters ask her, well, now that you've won all that money, aren't you going to go home? And Babette has to tell them, no, I'm not going to go home because I have spent everything, all of that money on the feast. So and you see here, Babette gave everything she had so the walls could come down. And that's what God is doing. He's giving everything he has so the walls will come down. And he did that. And the walls did come down. The walls separating us from God have crumbled. And God in the process has given everything he had to do that and to accomplish that. And so that is what we are supposed to be in our culture now. The healing voice with the healing words so that between the, in the unsaved and the church, those walls will come down. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.